love Matthew chapter 2. Love this story of the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Newer Testament. So if you go about halfway through your Bible and turn to your right, you'll find Matthew. These are four eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus. And Matthew writes, and he writes in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read that. If everybody's ready and you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a second, say, hold up. Come on, I got 19 minutes. We got to go together. All right, here we go. (laughs) Got to go, got to go, got to go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about the time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Watch what King Herod says, though. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, the Bible says, who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod, watch watch what he does, calls all a private meeting with the wise men. Learn from them where the star, when the star first appeared. Then he told him, hey, he's tricking them right here. Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back. Tell me so I can go and worship him too. He wasn't really going to do that. We'll talk about that in a second. And after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Somebody say joy. Yeah, I like that. They entered the house and saw the child and his mother, Mary. And watch what it says. They bowed down and they worshiped him. That there is no other name, is my, my thought is. There is no other name other than the name of Jesus. Then they opened their treasure chest, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what we're going to do in this series, those are a couple gifts that Jesus received at Christmas, right? I think all of us, if we had a, a wish list of things, first of all, gold would be at the top. Come on, somebody, right? I'll take it, all right? But, but I think, uh, again, I think there's some things that we can learn from the significance of what they brought Jesus and what that means for us and how we can take that. So today I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to, you can have a seat finally. Come on, I love that. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat and high-five your neighbor. Say, you stood for a long time, but you made it. Now you can have a seat. Now you can have a seat. Now you can have a seat. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, I am so thankful for you. I'm so grateful for you and uh, just glad to be here today. Just thankful that we're at church together and we're in this series called All I Want for Christmas Is. Let me ask you a question. How many of us in the room have gotten a good gift for Christmas? Come on, somebody. Everybody wave at me. What's your favorite gift that you've ever gotten? Somebody tell me. Anybody got something? A scooter? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Hopefully not scootering all the way to Nashville, Jordan. That'd be bad. All right. All right. Good. Good, good, good. Anybody else? What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Your kids. Okay, that's a great answer. Nobody else needs to answer anything after that, all right? All right, just nothing else. The kids. I like the kids. Come on. What's something else you got for Christmas? Anybody ever got a, like, anybody ever got, like, I've always wanted to do this. We just so broke we can't do this. I'd love to have a car outside waiting for Allie. You know what I'm saying? With a big old bow. Might have to be just a little toy car right now. You know what I'm saying? With a bow on top. But I, I would love to do that. That'd be a great gift to get, right? 
I, I think about Christmas, and again, I love the generosity this season brings. I love the fact that we can give. That is a big season of giving. And I think about these, this story of Jesus, that Jesus, actually the very first Christmas, when they're showing up to Jesus' house celebrating the birth of Jesus, what we find is that they bring Jesus some gifts. And we're going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks, the significance of these gifts. And I'm going to try and just take my uh, chance today to walk us through that. And I want to let you know that today we're going to talk about this idea of gold. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, I wish I had some gold. Wish I had some gold. Tap your other neighbor and say, hey, you got any gold? Come on, somebody. Somebody ask them. Go ahead and ask them. I mean, you got any you want to share? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, think about, I think about that. And uh, we're going to talk about gold today. We're going to talk about the significance of this gift that these wise men show up to Jesus' house with his mama, and they give him this gold. And so, again, if you go back in history, you'll find that gold, what it has is such a significance because it's so scarce. It holds such a value because of the fact that it is so scarce. And, again, what I want us to see is that even in this time, if you go back to even the days of Jesus, that gold was something that was given to a king. That gold was something you wouldn't, come on, how many of y'all would just think it'd be crazy showing up to a birthday party, and the fact is that you're handing this little baby, like somebody, like right now, think about it, right? You go to the birthday party and they hand this baby gold, right? Come on. First of all, mom and dad, we loving that, okay? But, but, but again, I want you to understand there's some significance to the fact that they brought gold to Jesus because ultimately... What they are declaring from the day that he was born, from this first time that they met him, a couple years after Jesus was born, guess what? They're saying from the very beginning, we are, are, we are saying that Jesus, you are a king. That Jesus, you are a king. So when we think about kings, I think a lot of different things come to our mind. Obviously, there is a king, many kings in the world right now. You've got King Charles. You've got, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the British monarch that's going on. I, I think if we could just play a little king game together, if we could do that, everybody okay with that for a second? This king game, if I say the word Simba, come on, what is it? Lion King. Lion King. Come on, okay, it's going to maybe have king in it. All right, let me just give a little clarity really quick. Okay, if I say Simba, you're going to say, what is that? Okay, like, like, like you're going to say something that probably has king in it. Everybody good? Simba. Okay, that's good. Gorilla. Okay, all right, just check, checking everybody, okay. Have it your way. Okay, I like that, I like that. Well, okay, now, now let's switch it up a little bit. Who's the king of rock and roll? Come on, Elvis Presley, thank you very much. Okay, sorry, that was terrible, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? I really don't know why I did that. I don't know. As long as I don't do this next one, the king of pop. Come on, hee <laughs> hee. Okay, sorry, okay. So sorry. This has been the most eventful 20 minutes of my day so far, for sure. Like, I was crying five minutes ago talking about the faithfulness of God. Now I'm sounding like Michael Jackson. This is awesome. Okay, the king of basketball. Thank you. Everybody's had to clarify real quick. May thank King James. No, Michael Jordan. Okay, all right. Just, just checking, making sure. But I want to just clarify today. I want to shout it from the rooftops today that we want to be a church, and I just believe according to Scripture, even from the very beginning of Jesus' life all the way to now, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is coming back, the Bible says, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, on his robe and on his thigh was written the title. This is a title, man. When you get a title, when you got something, man, there's something about you. Like, watch this. He is the King of all kings, and he is the Lord of all lords, meaning guess 
guess what? He has supreme authority over all kingdoms of all time. That's the guy we're talking about. That's the man that we're worshiping. That's the name that we're lifting up. And this is what I want you to know, though. If you go back to the time when Jesus came, Jesus was not the king that everybody expected. I want you to write it down. Jesus was not the king everybody was expecting. Like the Jews at that time, guess what? They were expecting that, that their, their king to be born in a palace from like a royal lineage in a family of kings, got some luxury, got some comfort, right? If I could bring that to like today's terms, guess what? That would be this king would be born and placed in a pottery barn crib. Come on, somebody, right? Wearing his Gucci onesies, all right? Having on his baby off-whites with a Louis Vuitton backpack and his family driving a G-Wagon, all right? If I could just bring it, that's what everybody was expecting. That's what people were expecting. Jesus was not the king that everybody expected. Instead, guess what? He was born in a barn. He was born in poverty. He was born to a out-of-wedlock mother that everybody would say was out of wedlock. That guess what? He was born. Not, not like This guy named Jesus was in a stable out back next to farm animals in the middle of some sheep dung, Right? That's where Jesus was born. Jesus was not the king that everybody was expecting. They didn't expect the king to be the son of a carpenter born in Nazareth of all places. Nazareth? What do you think good could come from Nazareth, they said? Like, what good can come from there? Nothing. They didn't think that would happen. They didn't expect a king that would get his hands dirty, but rather they expected a king that would come and give authority and tell people what to do. No, no, no. Jesus was not the king that everybody expected. Jesus was not the king that everybody expected because no one thought that the king of glory would befriend people like prostitutes and tax collectors and the outcast. They didn't think that the king of glory would touch lepers, open blind eyes with spit and mud, right? That he would love those that the religious institutes would call outcasts. No, that's, they were not expecting Jesus to be that kind of king. Jesus was not the king everybody expected because they never imagined a king who would choose those same hated tax collectors, uneducated fishermen, zealots, former demon-possessed to follow him and be his followers. Like, nobody expected that. Jesus was not the king everybody expected because no one thought that the king would forgive a woman caught in the middle of the act of adultery when the law said that she should be stoned. But then not only did he say, hey, you know what, I could have cast the first stone. There is no accuser around you, but you need to get up and not go back to the bedroom. You need to go and change your lifestyle because now you're different. Nobody expected that from a king. Nobody expected Jesus to be a king that would confront the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, people that called themselves religious teachers over and over, they, Jesus wasn't the expected king. Like, nobody expected him to overturn tables when people misused the temple as a personal place of gain. Like, Jesus was not the king that everybody expected because they never imagined that the king of the Jews would come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, the lowly of all animals that he could ride in. Surely he could find a stud that he could ride in. No, no, no. He found a donkey to ride into Jerusalem ultimately where he was going to give his life, that, that, that as he's riding into Jerusalem, that those that would be cheering for him, nobody thought it would be the outcast, the lost, the looked over, the least of these. Jesus was not the king that everybody expected because nobody expected a king to stand trial for crimes that he never committed. 
Jesus is not the king that everybody expected because no one ever imagined an innocent king would be beaten, whipped, spit on, laughed at, punched, put a crown of thorns on his head, stripped naked, humiliated before people and beyond belief to carry a cross up a half a mile trek to be placed on that cross for nails to be driven in his hands and his feet, dying a death that only a criminal deserved to die. Nobody expected that. Jesus is not the king that everybody expected because nobody ever imagined that this king, while he was on the cross, breathing his last breath, dying for a, dying a death that was not fair for sins that he did not commit, that he would look out and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That Jesus was not the king that everybody expected because no one ever expected the king from heaven to die shameful death in front of people who were mocking him. And when he breathed his last, there was nobody predicting the fact that the sky would turn dark and this, the, the, the veil would be torn and that people would lose hope as they buried a dead king in a borrowed grave. But Jesus was not the king that everybody expected because nobody expected that three days later when some ladies went to check the tomb out, that the stone had been rolled away, that his body was not there, but that this king that was not expected but was who was but is what, what Jesus was, had risen from the dead and now today sits at the right hand of God the Father. Come on, is there anybody thankful today that Jesus was not the king that everybody expected? But come on, Jesus is the king that everybody needs. Come on, he's the king that everybody needs. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Sometimes we walk in and maybe we come to church and what's interesting to me is that Jesus is the unexpected king of everybody else, but he's the one that we need. And there's three responses I think that we can have when it comes to responding to Jesus as king. And I think a lot of times what's interesting, if you look at the story of Jesus, and we'll try and roll through this together rather quickly, but the fact is what's interesting to me is that there's three responses. I think those same three responses that happened then are happening now. You ready for them? Here's the first one. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. First one is they oppose him. They oppose him. See, watch this. When you go and you would read the story as we just did, verse 2 happens to be that these magi, these wise men are coming and are saying, hey, 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 where's this new king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Watch what happens. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. And King Herod, listen to me. And I'll, I'll just tell everybody really quick. That noise is the sound of the next generation going ham after Jesus, all right? So you hear that? Guess what? I don't care one bit. I hope they turn it up. I don't want them to turn it down. Because guess what? The world will tell them to turn it down. But this church is not going to tell them to turn it down. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. Just, just clarify. I am on something today. Like, I don't even know. I hadn't had a monster or nothing. I'm just telling you all. Just Listen. But watch this, King Herod, what he wanted to do was he wanted to protect his kingdom. He was trying to protect his. He went on a headhunt for any baby boy after this under the age of two. He issued a decree after this saying, hey, any baby boy under the age of two in Bethlehem, they must be put to death because he had heard of this new king. What I want you to see is that in his distress, he strongly opposed, he strongly came against, he strongly attacked the idea 
that Jesus was king. Some of you that are here, some of you maybe that are watching online, are opposing Jesus as king, whether you know it or not. Some of you in here say, you know what, no, no, I don't need Jesus. I don't need religion. I don't need church. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I don't need that old, outdated book that some people think is good. I don't need that. I don't need some church telling me how to live. I got this. I'm doing fine on my own. And really, if you're being honest, you're opposing Jesus as king. You're opposing Jesus as king. So I, I think if we could just get honest today, we would find ourselves in one of these three categories. Number one is you would oppose him. Number two, you would reject him. So, so you're not necessarily vehemently opposed to Jesus, but you're rejecting the idea that Jesus is king. And if I can be honest, I think there's a lot of people in church that find themselves in this category right here. This category right here. Watch what it says in verse 4. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers in the religious law, and he asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they go on this rant in Beth Bethlehem in Judea. This is what the prophets wrote. You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you. Who will be the shepherd? Who will be the king for my people Israel? What I find so interesting about this right here is what we just read that there were priests, a.k.a. pastors, leaders of the church, right? And then there were religious law, teachers of the religious law. So not only are they priests, but the teachers of the religious law, the church people, right? Church people out of there, they knew all a lot about Scripture. They knew a lot of the songs, even knew that the Messiah was supposed to be born, just about five miles away from where they were, actually. And guess what? Even in the middle of all of that, they literally missed Jesus as king. And I think what happens is the king was right under their nose, and yet they did not acknowledge him for who he was. And I think so many times what happens is we in the church in the south, if I could just take a moment, what we like to do is at, at the end of everybody's life and at the funeral or whatever it might be, we think, okay, everybody is saved. And what happens is I think so many times we, we might think that at a funeral, but literally what did their life project? Did they ever make a decision to follow Jesus? Because I think a lot of times what we can do is come into church and we can play the part, right? Anybody ever been there before? Playing a part of church? Like, okay, hey, listen, I, I think a lot of times what we can do in the South is mistake proximity for intimacy. I think this fact is, oh, we can be close to Jesus or around Jesus or around people who know Jesus. But listen to me, that does not mean that we actually know Jesus or we acknowledge who he is. I'm gonna, I know this is strong today. I'm trying to tell you today, and I think so many times we come into church, how y'all doing? Oh, we fine, blessed, and highly favored. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus is good. Praise him. We get dressed up in our Sunday best. On the outside, we look the part. The kids are smiling. Nobody's fighting, especially in front of anybody else. Come on, somebody. They fought in the car all the way there, but as soon as you get out, ain't nobody fighting, all right? Better clean it up right now. Just my car? Okay, cool. All right, just our house. Got it. Got it. Everybody's been there. No fighting. No, 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 no. We're hairs combed. We're going to go through the motions. We're going to sit in our same spot. We're going to walk out, go to Sunday lunch. We're going to have it all together. And on the outside, we have the reputation for being alive, but really we're dead on the inside. And on the outside, what happens is it may look fine, but just like the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law here in our story, we can miss the entire message altogether. 
We can miss it all together. Even Jesus would warn people about these guys once he grew up. He, he would warn people about people that had it together on the outside but were really dead on the inside. Watch what he says in Matthew 23. What sorrow awaits you teachers in religious law, uh, of religious law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, you're missing it. You're not seeing it. You're not acknowledging what I am. First, watch the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. But what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites. You're whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, watch this. I think this can sometimes sum church up a lot of times. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And listen to me. You're rejecting Jesus as king ultimately. We're missing it. We're missing it. And I think that's just something that's been placed on my heart this week is that I just don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to miss it, church. I don't want us to be a fake church. I don't want us to be a play in church. I, I, I don't want to miss it. But I think if I'm honest, I think we can all get there sometimes. Because I remember a season of my life that I said I love Jesus with my lips, but guess what? My life and my heart was far from him. I think if you could think back in your life, there's been times, again, in mine where I, I was in church, I was involved, I was a youth pastor's son, but guess what? I was rejecting Jesus as king with my life. And I just want to challenge that today. I want to come against that spirit of religiosity today. I think sometimes we can come into church and again, in this place, in this setting, a lot of times, yes, okay, we're excited about Jesus, but sometimes we can hide our, our, our hypocrisy with the excitement sometimes. And I just want to tell you, let's be a church that's real. Let's not be a church that's fake. I'm going to stand up here and cry in front of you all the time. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to be real as I can be. We're going to be honest, open, transparent. And I'm just gotta, I just got to be here to tell you that, listen to me, I, I know it's uncomfortable. Like we talked about a little bit last week, but it's worth it. It's worth it to do the last thing I think what we got to do. And then since I did it, we have to worship him. We got to worship him as king. So you can either oppose him, you can either reject him, or you can either worship him. I just want to tell you today that some of us in the room, that again, I think a lot of us when we think of worship, what our thoughts go to are a few different things. But first of all, I want you to see in this story the right response that we should have to Jesus as king. Watch what it says. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Somebody say joy like you got some. I like it. Filled with joy. And watch what it says. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And watch what it says that they did. They bowed down and they worshiped Jesus. They bowed down and they worshiped him as king. And again, when I say worship, I think a lot of us go different places with that. Right, depending on where you grew up, depending on what your life looks like, depending on what your talent level is. Come on, some of us think, oh, I don't sing very good. I can't do that. I can't play an instrument. I'll never be leading anybody up on a platform and worship or on a worship team. No, 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 I can't worship. And listen to me, I want you to write this down because I want you to get this in your heart, that worship is not just something that happens for 30 minutes on a Sunday, but worship is whatever I value the most. Like worship is not just a couple songs on Sunday and that's it. No, no, no. My life is a form of worship. Because if we're being honest, 
worship and what it is, just really quickly, is anything that sits at the top of my life. Anything that sits at the throne of my life. Because again, I think all of us are created with passion, and our passion is pointed somewhere. It's going in some direction. It's happening somewhere. And what I want you to understand is that some people worship other people. Some people worship actors or sports stars or celebrities or Travis Kelsey and Taylor or whatever. Okay? It's good. It's fine. I need, my, I need my fantasy football team to do really well. So come on, Travis. That'd be great. All right? Sometimes we worship literally ourselves. We worship our careers. We worship our possessions because our passion is pointed in that direction. We worship things. We worship money. We worship clothes. We worship fame. We worship recognition. We worship our bodies. Listen to me. Everybody is worshiping something or somebody. And what I got to tell you today, maybe you walk in here and you say, man, my life is, man, it's just, it's tough right now. I can't figure it out. I don't know what's happening. I don't like what's coming out of my life. Now, here's what I want to tell you today. If you don't like the output of your life, look at the object of your worship. If you don't like what's coming out of your life, look at the direction that your heart, your worship, your passion is is pointed to. And I just got to tell you, whatever I worship, I'm passionate about. And whatever I'm passionate about, I begin to follow. And whatever I follow, I eventually will become. So for me, whatever I give my passion, my time, my affection, my expression, my money, my attention, my talents to will ultimately steer the direction of my life. So I'm going to challenge you today. Would we be a church that worships Jesus? Let me just give you a little bit of, again, the, the, the king that we're talking about today. So why don't we do this? Can we stand up on our feet right now? Here's the deal. When it talks about worshiping the king of kings... I'm not talking about a distant, far-off, uninvolved, angry God. I'm not talking about the big man upstairs. I'm not talking about Jesus. He is not your homeboy. Okay? Jesus is is not your eight-pound, six-ounce, infant baby Jesus. Come on, right? That's not Jesus. You know what Jesus is? Jesus is a king. He's the king of glory. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages. He's the king of kings. He's the king of the universe. He's the king of the heavens. He's the CEO of creation. Because of his name and because of the name of Jesus, listen to me, all of hell trembles. Sin could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. No demon in this world can stop him. Whatever you need, whatever you ask, whatever's going on in your life, he is more than a enough. He is your way maker. He's your open door. He's your healer. He's our redeemer. He's our forgiver. He's our provider. He's your hope. He's your wonderful. He's your counselor. He's your mighty God. He's your everlasting father. He's your prince of peace and he is our king. Come on if we're thankful for Jesus. Can we take 10 seconds and worship him for who he is? Worship him for what he's done. Come on, thank God for what he's done in this place. I love that. And maybe you can't worship him because you've never put your faith and trust in him. And I just want to tell you today is that day that you can put your trust in Jesus. That again, there's many people that will oppose him. Many people that will reject him. But guess what? I'm, I'm trying to get you to where you can worship him today. 
We're going to sing in just a second. There is a king. This song, it will drive you to your knees in worship of Jesus because of what he's done. Because it's singing about a, a king that didn't stay dead, that wasn't just in the tomb and just stay there. No, but he got out of the grave and he's alive. And there are some of you today that he's been drawing you into a relationship with him. And today you need to give your life to Jesus. Let's stop rejecting him. Let's stop opposing him. Let's take a step towards him today and worship him. So you're in this place, and you've never given your heart to Jesus. I'm going to do something different than I've done in a long time. And I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to do that right this second, because I feel like in my spirit that there's somebody in here that God has been drawing to him, and that you need to know that that God that created all of that, that is king of all kings, that is Lord of all lords, lords loves you so much, gave his life for you and me. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, the Bible says that you will be saved. And guess what? There ain't nothing like it. Just telling you, ain't nothing like it. And you will be able to worship him for what he's done because I remember who I was before Jesus. And man, who I am after Jesus, I'm different. I'm changed. My life is different. My life is changed. And I want that for you today. So if you're in this place and you say, hey, I do not have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one today. That's you. I'm going to ask you to pray something like this. Now, here I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. In this place, you're here and you say, hey, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship, but Jesus made a way for you. If that's you and you want to give your heart to Jesus today, say something like this. Dear Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? I trust you. I put my faith in you. I believe that you were crucified, that you had nails put in your hands and in your feet. I believe that they hung you on a cross that was had my name on it, that I should have died for, that I should have paid the price for, but Jesus, you did. And I just say thank you for that today. Be the Lord of my life today. I worship you with my life. I give you my life. You've done all the work. I'm just repenting and turning towards you today, asking you to be the Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe you got out of the grave. And I believe that you live inside of me. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online or listening on the podcast. And you would say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. It's the best decision you've ever made. Listen, all of heaven parties. And listen, I just want to tell you that we are a church that celebrates that. And want to honor the decision that you made. And we want to come alongside of you and say, hey, let's do this thing together. So if you're in this place and you just gave your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up over your head all across this room. You can just raise it all the way up. You can drop it right back down. Raise it up above your head and drop it right back down. Awesome. Awesome. There's a few things that you can do to let us know that you made that decision. One is that QR code. Uh, you can scan that. One is up on the screen as well. And in just a second, we're actually going to worship. And so as they begin to bring the house lights down, we're going to worship Jesus as King. And I'm going to ask that we open up this altar. Again, I never want our platforms to get bigger and our altars to get smaller. Because I want us to worship Jesus. And if you feel like you need to come, and this is just an altar is just laying something down at the feet of Jesus. I don't want anything to have more of a, a, of a worship heart than God. I, I, I don't want to worship anything. I don't want anything to have my heart more than I want Jesus to have my heart. And so as we sing this song in just a second, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus, you can let somebody know. But I'm also going to ask our church, would you move? Would you just begin to pray? Not only for that, but what, what's the next step for our church? Where are we going next?
God, we're going to worship you with everything we've got. And I just want this place to be a house of prayer as Jesus prayed it would. So, God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Would you speak to us now? Would you speak in the middle as we worship you today for who you are and what you've done? We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.